Hello, and welcome to episode 50 of Killer Hangover. Ooh, 50 episodes. 50 episodes. And Happy Happy New Year. Year. (laughs) Leave 2020 behind. See ya. Adios. Nice knowing you. And welcome 2021. And we're kicking this year off with episode 50, and we're drinking Corbell, of course. Of course. (laughs) Mom's favorite. Well, it's a New Year's drink, and it's a celebratory drink, and it's her favorite drink, and... Need we say more? Exactly. So cheers, cheers my darling. Mmm, delicious as always. Perfect bubbly. So every 10th episode, we normally do same place. Different time. But for episode 50, we kind of stumbled across this idea when I was doing research for a past case. I brought it to my mom, and she got really excited about it. So we're going to take you along as we dive into the world of psychic investigations. So before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about, well, what psychic means. Yes. According to the dictionary.com, as an adjective, psychic means of or relating to the human soul or mind. As a noun, it refers to a person who is sensitive to psychic influences or forces. The word comes from the Greek word psychokos meaning of the soul. The word medium, because I always, I guess I didn't really know the difference between psychics and mediums. Mm -hmm. And there is a difference. The word medium used as an adjective means halfway between two extremes. And as a noun, the word medium has a few meanings. It could be in the middle of something or the material or technique with which an artist works or This is the one we're interested in. A person through whom the spirits of the dead are able to contact the living. So dumb it down for me, mom. A psychic uses the intuition to receive information of someone's past, present, future, or all three. And a medium communicates with the spirits of those who have died and shares that information with the living person seeking the connection. So they send messages from the dead. So they have the sixth sense. I guess they would have this, both have the sixth sense. No. Intuition. The sixth sense is I see dead people. <laughs> dun dun. dun. <laughs> the way these gifts are used in investigations was really brought to my attention in the Gina Renee Hall case from episode 46 and 47. There were two psychics called into that case. One of them was Dorothy Allison. She was known nationally for her work in many cases. A little about Dorothy. She was born, raised, and lived in New Jersey. She grew up Catholic. Hmm. Her gift came to her when she was 14 years old, and she predicted her own father's death. Ooh. Although he was in good health, she saw him dying in two weeks. What? Yeah. And just as she envisioned, he came down with pneumonia and passed away. Dorothy lived pretty quietly throughout her life with like spontaneous visions of her close friends and family that she'd share with them. Oh, she did share those. Right, but they were just kind of like dreams or visions that she'd have or predictions or just feelings. But it's not like she practiced being a psychic by any means. One day, she had a vision of a missing child in 1968. She went to the police with what she saw. In her vision, she saw a little boy with blonde hair and blue eyes. He was wearing a green snowsuit with his little shoes on his wrong feet. Mm -hmm. And he was trapped. 
she could see that he was trapped in some kind of a pipe. So she has this vision and she's just so burdened with it. It's really weighing heavy on her. So she didn't know there was a missing boy case. No, she just went to the police with it. And she's like, does this match any of your descriptions of a missing child? And the police are totally shocked because there was a little boy in the area that matched her description that had gone missing, but it had not been announced to the public yet. Jeez. Apparently a month later, they drove her out to an area she described and it was above a drain pipe. She walked the pipe and said, dig here. They did. They cut the pipe open. And sure enough, they discovered the little boy's body with his shoes on the wrong feet. So I think from there, she started to really give in to this gift and really take hold of those intuitions she was having. Around what age was she? Do you know? Um, I'm only asking because 30 seemed to be come up more and more and more like people i mean she was married with kids i, I don't think i probably like late 20s early 30s you know I, I just found it interesting in my research that 30 kept coming up early 30s kept coming up over and over again in the psychics that i researched so i don't know interesting Another case was in Staten Island. She told police that the body of a missing 14-year-old girl was located in a marshy area inside of two bridges in an abandoned car. And the letters M-A-R in a vision came Hmm. to her. The girl's body was found in an oil drum in a marsh beside two bridges near a rock with the word Mar on it. With the word Mar on it? Yes. Holy smokes. In 1976, she was called to help find the son of Sam. She gave an accurate description of him to the police sketch artist and told police that he would be picked up on a traffic violation. Oh, my gosh. And he was. And it was an accurate description of him? Yes. Dorothy Allison worked over 5,000 police cases and led the police to over 250 bodies. At the time that Gina Renee Hall went missing when she was called by now, I'm not sure if she was called by the Hall family or if she was called by friends of the Halls. She was on the coast working on another case. And when they asked her if she felt anything or saw anything relating to Gina's case, she claimed that she could not sense anything. Another week passed and they reached out to her again. This time she was in Atlanta helping with the Atlanta child murders. Wow. But she did say that she had a little more insight at this time. Okay, mom, this is crazy to me. Are you ready for this? Already it's been crazy, but okay. She told police that she saw a vision of a statue or a monument of a famous woman in Radford, Virginia. They needed to go there with a compass. They needed to go due north, and there would be something of significance to Gina and her killer. Dorothy said she saw something to the north that had to do with boats or a marina, and the letter M had something to do with the killer. Police decide that the most famous woman in Radford with the statue was Mary Draper Ingalls. Real fast, because this woman is awesome, but she was an early pioneer settler of the area back in 1755 and was captured by Native Americans during the French and Indian War. Any relation to Laura? No. (laughs) From Little House on the Prairie? No. So Mary Draper Ingalls was taken by the Native Americans to Ohio, where she escaped 
and then walked over 500 miles back to her family in Radford, Virginia. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, she has a monument. She deserves a monument. Holy smokes. That makes me think of that song. And I would walk 500 miles and I. (laughs) So the police grab a map. And from the statue in Westview Cemetery, they draw a line due north. The line crosses over a boat dealership. Oh my gosh, the ships that she saw. (laughs) She didn't see any ships. (laughs) The boats that she saw. (laughs) It crossed over the Epperly House and the exact spot on Hazel Hollow Road under the train trestle that Gina's car was left abandoned. Holy smokes. And the M, well... Madison was Stephen Epperly's middle name. Okay. Now, psychics working with police is not a very common thing from what I researched. I don't know about you, Mom. Nope. Nope. Um, From what I understand, psychics mostly work with the families or friends of the victims. Detectives want the cold, hard facts. Sure. They want evidence. Sometimes it's hard to wrap your mind around some of these claims of feelings and impressions and and visions and dreams the m that dorothy allison gave is pretty broad and there's a name for this kind of vague psychic work it's called retrofitting so like a psychic can say that they see the number three and they see a road in their vision and in the end when the case is solved a road may have something to do with the case in some way and the number three may be a date or a time a zip code a phone number right. somehow there's going to be a way to tie that number in or the it. m yes so that's how you get kind of in that tricky situation of sure but she nailed everything else right i mean like unbelievably i know wow I mean, you'd think, wow, why doesn't every police department use psychics? Because, you know, my gosh, she got that right. And she helped with Son of Sam. And, you know, so why? But uh, it would be a little counterproductive for all police departments to spend that much time and money on visions because, what, 90% of them, if not more, are frauds? Exactly. And when police ask for, does anybody have anything about this case? They already get a ton of phone calls. Exactly. You know, some people that think that they know, don't really know, just want to call in. Or people that want to blame somebody they don't like. Exactly. And so then you also have these, quote unquote, psychics. Plus, psychic evidence is not admissible in court. Very true. So you have that too. Plus, even today, I'm guessing that police are still a little leery of admitting that they received their information from a psychic. Mm -hmm. In fact, I did talk to a couple of detectives and they kind of just laughed when I asked them the question (laughs) about the psychics and said that their captains would never go in for, quote, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I believe it. So, but you can't really blame the police either. I mean, how I don't know what the percentage of frauds are, but I think it'd be in the 90s. Yeah. And like I said, police want actual evidence, cold, hard facts. Who do they believe when they get all these tips coming in? Here's a story that ties into this thought. Stephen Lynn Scott was not a psychic, nor did he even consider the idea that he had any gifts. He had served in the U.S. Navy with a top secret security clearance. He was 26 years old and was attending the Bible College in Oak Park, Illinois. 
He was planning on being a missionary and was living with his wife as house parents at a halfway house. Wow. Good guy. Yeah. One night in 1980, he had a dream so vivid it terrified him. He woke and told his wife, and from there, their whole lives changed. Just down the road, in an apartment, Karen Phillips was found beaten to death. It felt like it matched up with his dream. It had just been too vivid. His wife, Lois, convinced him to go talk to the police. So he did. He described what he had seen in his dream. A blonde man between 20s and 30s, between 5'5 and 5'7, brown pants, and a striped terry cloth shirt. The police sit and listen as Stephen is basically describing himself. No, no, no. They ask him, go on. Stephen explains that early in the dream, the man seems to be easygoing and really chill. But then Stephen noticed a change in the man. The man suddenly struck the woman over the head while she was leaning down to get something. He had the impression that although the attack was a surprise to the woman, she did not fight back. Over time, police bring him in a few more times, asking him what was the weapon when they knew full well what the weapon was. Mm -hmm. He told them it was a metallic and tapered instrument of sorts. It indeed had been a tire iron. One of the times he came in, he was wearing a striped terry cloth shirt. Oh, come on. Just as he had described the perp to be wearing. Maybe those were really popular. <laughs> but he kept coming in and kept cooperating with the police. Oh, he dude. even gave blood, urine, saliva, and hair samples. That's because he did not even connect no, himself No, he was with just this. trying he was to sharing. help. After that, he was arrested. Stephen Lynn Scott was charged and convicted of the crime and convicted to 40 years in prison. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It gets better. After three years, the verdict was overturned because of false statements made to the jury by prosecutors. In 1986, this was overturned Uh. and he was convicted again. But then the following year, that was overturned. It had been seven years in at this point. Tons of back and forth. Then in 1991, because of all the back and forth, he was awarded a retrial. In preparation for the retrial, his DNA from all the samples was sent in. And in 1992, 12 years since the murder, Stephen Linscott had all the charges dropped and he was free to go. Yeah, we just ruined your whole life, by the way. In 2002, they granted him $60,150 for all the mistakes and the 12 years he was in prison. Woohoo! Lois and Stephen originally believed that because of their work they were doing, working to be missionaries and working in that halfway house, surrounded by prostitution, crime, and drugs, that the dream was given to them by God at an attempt to help others and at least help solve one case. Over time, after all that they went through, they believed the dream was demonic. So I wonder if he got any visions after this. No, I looked and looked and looked and he probably wouldn't reveal them anyway. No, I mean that because they probably thought it was from Satan. (sighs) But he he had everything right. But he was just a normal person, a good person. So that makes you wonder so many things. I mean, why him? Why all of a sudden that dream? Yeah. To somebody that's not practicing being a psychic or anything in that realm. Right. Oh, that reminds me of, because of course I watched all of Psychic Investigators (laughs) since I was doing research. There was an episode, and I'm sorry I didn't jot any notes down, but there had been a nurse. She'd been hijacked. Mm. And she was missing. So this other lady had no connection on this at all. 
had either a dream, I think it was a dream also, uh, that the nurse was dead and that she could vision exactly in this canyon where the body of this nurse was. Right. So she was just totally... I've got to find, you know, she had that drive. I've got to find oh, this so crazy. this woman. And so the police had searched this area, could not find it, the body. Um, and so she came home from work and she had younger children and they all climbed into the van. Oh and they're going God. down the street, you know, this canyon, just driving really slowly. Didn't see anything. Then on the way back up the canyon, the little girl that was sitting in the car said, Mommy, I see something white. So the lady pulled over and they all walked into like this small path and they found the body of the nurse. No way. And they called the police. They stayed there. They called the police. And they suspected her. Exactly the same thing. They suspected her because she and she had called in. She had called in and said, I know where this body is. I just know where this body is. And they didn't listen to her. So and then when they found her there at the site. So she was in jail, not as many years. She was in jail, I think, for three or four days. But I mean, at the same time, you cannot blame the police. This woman is calling saying she saw a vision. Right. I mean, how do you when you probably have other leads that you really think you need to follow with hard, concrete evidence? How do you what do you choose? Which way do you go? I I mean, I know. So, but there's another example that I saw on Psychic Investigators, season two, episode 13, How Dark the Woods. And this concerns Phil Jordan, not a known psychic at the time. In fact, he was just like you and I. Okay. And he had uh, an awesome podcast. Exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so he's not like you and I. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So one in the mom glare. summer day, a family went to the lake. So the stepfather took his children and this little boy into to take a walk, a hike through the woods. Well, the little boy didn't have his shoes on, so the stepfather sent him back. Okay. And it wasn't that far away from where his mom was sitting. Okay. But it was still, you know, he watched him for a little while, and they thought, well, he knows the way. We just stayed on this trail. Sure. So we turned around with the other kids and walked. Well, the little boy got lost. Oh, no. So they came back to where the mom was, and she's like, where is, actually, his name was Tommy. Where's Tommy, and isn't he here? No, he never came back. So the family, of course, spread out, calling Tommy, Tommy, Tommy for hours. Couldn't find him. They called the police. And a storm was coming. Oh, no. So they searched. In fact, they went into the lake, dove into the lake because, you know, had to search for the little body. Of course. And couldn't find anything. So then they had to call it off because the storm came and there was lightning. Oh, my heart. Um, so the mom, I mean, what a horrible horrible night for that poor woman anyway so phil jordan is at home and he has a dream the dream was so vivid that he woke up and he drew this really rough sketch he'd never been there a lake and they saw three boats and across the lake was a house and then the little boy would be found in a clearing or off a clearing of where that house was so across the lake which happened to be two miles away from where the family had been Okay. So the next day, searchers came to the lake. Okay, the rain had cleared. So he doesn't know anything about a missing boy or anything. He just has this dream. Has this dream. But then he, you know, it was on the news. He joined the searchers because okay. everybody came out to this lake to look for this little boy. He talked to the sheriff there and he said, "I here's a map. I had this dream. Here's this map. Well, they looked around. There were three canoes that were pulled up to the shore. 
like the three little boats that he saw right across oh wow the lake they could see um you know the bigger tents that when you set them up kind of look like a little house like a little cabin they fit i don't know how many people like six people or seven or eight people they're the bigger tents okay. anyone when they're set up they're not like bees you know they're right they're, they're like little houses yeah that was across the lake oh so he's like i am sure that there's a clearing behind that tent and Go with your gut. the sheriff said there is no way that's two miles away that little boy it was raining blah 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 so he said, okay, all these searchers can stay here. I am so sure about this. I'm going to go there. Well, two other volunteers went with him. I and, would have volunteered. And as they were walking around the lake, he said, we're going to find this boy within the hour. So they were walking around, walking around, you know, behind the tent. And one of the volunteers was like, this is impossible because it was dense woods. And there's well, just three of them. It was just three of them. All of a sudden they came to the clearing that he had seen and then he says i just i think we turn left i think we turn left this one volunteer was starting to doubt what was going on he's like we're wasting our time you know he goes i just have this feeling so they kept walking and all of a sudden he looked down and he saw a little footprint oh barefoot footprint in the mud because it had rained it barefoot but it was heading in the same direction that they were headed they kept walking that way, and underneath the tree, they found this little five-year-old boy. Please tell me he was alive. He was alive. Oh, my god! He was alive, and he said, I did what my mommy told me. When it's lightning, I stay away from the water. Oh. So oh he had gone heart. all the way around trying to stay away from the water, and he went underneath the tree to stay dry. Oh, my god! I know. And then all of a sudden, one of the volunteers, as they were carrying little Tommy back, one of the volunteers tapped Phil on the shoulder and said, 58 minutes. And Phil's like, what? What? He goes, you said we'd find him within the hour. It oh, was 58 minutes. Gosh. I know. Oh. So it works. <laughs> it works. I'm like really... getting emotional. I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Not every case is like Phil Jordan's or Dorothy Allison's. Several psychics came forward in the Elizabeth Smart case saying they were looking for a body. Yeah, that's but right. we all know she wasn't dead. Now, there was another psychic called into the Gina Renee Hall case. Maybe he wasn't necessarily a fraud because he got a couple things right, but he was more vague in his impressions and descriptions. Okay. And his backstory is very similar to the others that he was just an average guy. He was working as an insurance agent. Now, the thing is with him is that he was like 800 pounds. What? Say, repeat that. He was 800 pounds. Holy smokes. Obviously in terrible health. And he went in for gastric bypass surgery and he died on the table. He was dead on the table for four minutes and they brought him back to life. And when he came back to life in his healing, he discovered he had these psychic abilities. After his death Near, experience. His death experience, yes. He would just have these intuitions about people. He would be sitting at dinner and he would just have this intuition about somebody sitting at the table next to him. It was just these visions would come to him all of a sudden. It was crazy. So he became quite a showman, though. He would wear those wing tipped dress shoes and polyester pants. <laughs> He'd have the silk shirt with the wide collar. Gold chains. Yeah, he had a very <laughs> cared for mustache and prescription sunglasses that he wore indoors and even at night. Wow. He was called into Gina's case. He had been on a TV show. And again, I don't know if it was the family that called him. I believe it was a family friend okay. that called him. 
basically he would have these visions of places and then they would drive him there and he'd have all these visions and impressions and he would even like go into these trances and say he was talking to Gina. Oh boy. But can you imagine that hope that would come to the family? Oh oh my gosh. I mean, he was called in, I believe a week after Gina had gone missing. Can you, but so very soon that just glimmer of hope of we might find her body or we might get answers. Or she might still be alive. Or Just, was he saying that she was dead? Well, again, he was pretty vague, but some things were right on. Like he walked into the lake house mm-hmm. and stated without knowing any facts, something is missing. And if you remember from that episode, they made a list of a few things missing, mm-hmm. like some towels and that quilt that was in the master bedroom. Yeah. And he described a blanket being missing. He said he described the colors of it. Oh, he described he, the blanket. Yeah. Wow. And he said that he said something along the lines that Gina would be found in it or she her body was wrapped in it. Mm, okay. So that's just interesting because a quilt was missing from the home and that's not something that was advertised anywhere or discussed openly with and the public. He de- and he described it. He did and he kind of had the police really believing him him because as soon as he got there he had them blindfold him and drive him to the lake house Mm -hmm. and so he's blindfolded and he gets out of the car and he just like points up into the air and he goes there's a tree with a dead branch right there and sure enough there was a tree with a dead branch okay i'm just gonna i'm just gonna throw this out there i know i know i know i know miss skeptic i know News coming. So what's to say that he didn't drive there before all this and check it out? He's not from the area at all. He's from like a totally different state. They pick him up from the airport? Yes, they pick him up from the airport. He's flying. He flies in. He charges. He doesn't charge anything. He just asks for travel expenses being paid. I mean, he had a show in Vegas and all this kind of stuff. So I, I don't know. Again, he knew the quilt. And he could describe locations and things like that. But after three days of his searching, he left and he told the family that he didn't believe Gina was in the lake or the river, but possibly buried near the water and maybe even partially buried. So, again, a fraud or he's using that vague retrofitting or... But some of the stuff was true. So... But how hard on the family... Because some of the stuff is true. Ugh. So then they're just wrapping their mind around everything. Of course. I mean, just how and what to hope. believe and what not to believe. Exactly. And, uh, so how do you decipher a fraud versus real? Well, like Dorothy Allison that Beth had mentioned and another psychic that I discovered. And this woman is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Mom called me just so excited about this woman. Yeah. Her name is Pam Coronado, and she's an investigative psychic. She is very renowned, and I'm sure very busy. I did send her an email to have some communication with her, but I wasn't surprised to get nothing in reply, just because this woman is, yeah. She's too cool for us. (laughs) She's way too cool for us. (laughs) So on her website, pamcoronado.com, she tells a story about how she was just a normal person she was married she had kids she i had am totally seeing a pattern here and they're they're all normal people living their lives one was an insurance agent several of these are just women with kids just married i mean just i know not even the thought crossing their mind no i didn't was, mean to cut you off but that's just so interesting to me me too and, and she was married she had three kids she had a dog she had a cat you know it was, everything's just going Peachy along keen. 
going along as it should, you know. So in her 30s, sometime in her 30s, her life took an unexpected turn after dreaming the location of a local missing woman. Mm. It was after that that she started working high-profile cases around the U.S., even working with the FBI. Wow, so police really did. And she made it her mission also to not only have this intuitive thing going on, but she actually took courses in criminology and forensics and everything so that she would have an idea of what the police were going through and what they needed. And so she really educated herself, too. And, awesome. and she continues to do so. That's um, really cool. She, also, she is too cool for us. <laughs> she is way too cool for us. Also on her website, you can actually sign up for courses. <gasps> yeah. Mom, I mean, I'm in my 30s. I know you hit all is, the you hit all the marks. I, I'm way too There's still old. a possibility for me. I told you I was going to solve a case in my life. Pam I could do it psychically. Dot com. I could do it psychically. No, I'm, I'm going to have psychically. Is that a word? Sure. It is now. <laughs> So I watched the May 2020 There Are No Secrets YouTube video. By the way, check it out. There are no secrets. <laughs> <laughs> that we float tell up. it all here. <laughs> we spill the tea. So there's two hosts and there's Pam Coronado and then they bring in different... Not killer ca- hangover because she's too cool for <laughs> she's us. She's too cool for us. They bring in different cases. The one that I watched, the May 2020, was the murder of Veronica Parati, in which Pam gave her insights into the unsolved cases. So these are unsolved. So cool. And they're just getting her sense of things. She was joined by the two hosts of There Are No Secrets and Veronica's mother, Jan Miller. Veronica was brutally murdered in her apartment in 1984. So during the interview, Pam is looking to her left. And I don't know whether she's looking at a picture of the victim or just looking down into space. I I don't know. That's one of the questions I was going to ask her <laughs> had she not been too cool what for us. What are you us. looking at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she's, she's just, I mean, you can see her. They're doing this live. I mean, they're like asking her questions and she is doing her intuitive psychic investigation while you're watching her. That's so cool. You know, she just keeps looking down and that's one of the questions, but she's too cool. Anyway, um, <laughs> So we I'm get not, it. She's too cool. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about the whole video. You have to watch it yourself. But just some things that Pam put out there. Okay. It was a man with very blonde or white hair. It was a very unusual color. Hmm. And then she said, I feel like Veronica was very talkative. She was a very nice person who would open the door to a man. I don't think he was a total stranger. I think she's seen him before. But she kept saying, I think Veronica was just a very kind person that nobody was a stranger. She would just be very open and talk to people. And Mm. her mother shook her head and said, yes, definitely. Then back to Pam, she said, "Mm, I think he was a date rapist. Oh, God. Not a killer. Veronica was possibly his only victim that he ever killed. But throughout the whole thing, she kept getting date rape. Oh, my God. This so is he's, so he's a date rape kind of guy. And she kept bringing that up. He speaks English, but may also speak French. Wow. It was just a vague thing. Wow. He came to her place of work. Hmm. She sits, sees him sitting at a booth. And Veronica did work at this little Italian cafe. That Pam had so no crazy. idea. 
I feel that he may have overheard her talking about being vulnerable in some way. And in fact, her roommates weren't supposed to come until the following day. Oh. For his work, I think he moves around. He may have scoped her apartment out. He has blood on him. He did some weird stuff in the house. He had a knife. I see him coming in the front, but going out the side of the house. I see blood all over the place. Oh my gosh. She has no idea about this death. None. Right. Nothing. He took off his shoes. Oh. I feel he went into her closet and I don't know why. She kept saying, and he's going into her clothes closet. Weird. Is he getting a trophy of some sort? She just said, I keep seeing him go into her clothes closet. He has a common name. She said, I believe police interviewed him. Oh. Mm, once. I feel he went to the police himself. They weren't interested in him. I see a blue Ford Mustang. Oh my God, this is crazy. The old 80s style. And she described the type of blue and, and everything that she saw. He was injured. He was scratched on his face. I feel she pulled some of his hair out, a clump of his hair, and he had a cut on his finger, his pinky finger. Oh my gosh, this is crazy, all the detail. He spends time in the apartment after the murder. He keeps going into her clothes closet. She was adamant about that. He may have grabbed something in the apartment to hit her with. His surname is Common. Okay, this, these are the facts that Veronica's mother put out after Pam did her summation. They did, in fact, find hair in Veronica's hands. Oh. But she had so much blood on her hands that the hair was degraded. And remember, oh, this was 1984. <sighs> so. Dang it. Right. A construction worker was interviewed because he walked to the apartment from his construction site. His name was Claude Wilson. He's dead now. French. Claude is French. Yes, it is. Wilson. Common. Common. No forced entry. So she did let him in. A pair of leggings, part of her uniform she wore at work at the Italian cottage where he would have seen her first, mm -hmm. had spittle on them. Ew. The police thought that he actually went and got the uniform and laid it out on the bed. So he did get something out of the closet. Oh. But he put it out on the bed. And because of all the blood, police think he was going to throw up. Mm -hmm. And so to keep, keep him from throwing up, he grabbed the leggings real fast and put them up to his mouth. So there was not vomit on there, but there was spittle on, on her leggings. He was a date rapist and probably wasn't Used planning to, all to the killing. Kill. Right. Yeah. DNA did not match anyone in CODIS. So that you, would match up too with right. her. So as the years went by and Ancestry.com and all those other things came up, they ran it through one of those sites and they got a hit. There was a family that had six children, four girls and two boys. One of the boys lived far away. The other worked at a construction site oh by the apartment. Gosh. His name, Claude, Claude Wilson. Oh my gosh. Chicken bumps everywhere. One bloody print was found from a shoe and then none. So he took his shoes, took his off. shoes off. The police said right away that this was a crime of passion that this was not an experienced killer it was a horribly bloody scene and he, he did use something in the house i think it was a lamp that he used to hit her on the head oh my god so just as pam had said he brought a knife but he also used this lamp to hit her oh over the head gosh. and she fought back 
they did get tissue from the now deceased Claude to test for DNA and to see if there's in comparison, but because of COVID, like this is recent that they got this tissue and stuff. Really? It hasn't been, I mean, I don't know the results. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? And to see <sighs> this woman just sitting there and, and she's a very likable person. I mean, she's just very down to earth. Just this very, very likable person is sitting there and just looking down to her left and she's getting all these things. It, it's, it was just crazy. impressions and just, that's so crazy. What a gift. So check it out on YouTube. It's really cool. Now, these are all stories that we read online. There is so much on the internet about Holy psychic smokes. investigators. It's crazy. Even just looking it up on Facebook. There's just all of these. I didn't realize it was that prevalent. Yeah, I, I know. know. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> some false, some real. Yep. But we really wanted to speak to a psychic that had worked on missing persons or investigations and get a more personal idea of what they do and how they do it. Right. So we both went on our own little investigation to find one. And I spoke to a psychic investigator out of North Carolina. Her name is Laura Deptola. She's amazing. And I really enjoyed chatting with her. I walked away from our conversation a little more clear on the job, but still so baffled as to how it's all done. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's seriously an amazing gift. Now, Laura's just kind of started working with helping with missing people cases in the last two years. She hasn't worked with police yet. Oh. It's mostly just the family reaching out to her. But she really drove home the fact that working on a missing person case or on these kind of investigations is very consuming. It's not like a reading because she does do right. readings as well, mm -hmm. where it's like a 30 minute phone call. You can kind of give psychic readings. Uh -huh. This is an all consuming thing. Probably it emotionally takes, also. Yes. It just takes up so much time. And she says that it's kind of where her passion lies. She says that one day when her kiddos are all older, she would love to do more missing people work. She's really passionate about it and helping the families. And, yeah, you know, we're kind of she's only been doing this for two years. She's been doing psychic work for longer than that. But the working with missing people. Yes. Uh -huh. Just two years. Wow. But she's kind of a soul sister with us in the fact that we're advocating for the victims. That is just where her passion lies. Great. Just like us. Yeah. So her story is very similar to the ones we've been telling in the fact that she grew up actually in a very uh, born again Christian household, she said. She was always scolded over being curious about the horoscope section in the newspaper. <laughs> that was the devil's work. But she went on with her life, grew up, got married, had kids. I mean, never gave any thought to that kind of right. stuff. Her interest in it all kind of started when paranormal things started happening in her house. And kind of as a hobby of sorts, she and her son would do little paranormal investigations and such. One day for fun, when she was pregnant with her youngest, she went to a psychic for fun. And she asked, you know, the silly questions we ask. Am I going to have a boy or a girl? Blah, blah, blah. And the psychic was like, you're not meant to do a normal job. <laughs> Laura was like, what? What are you talking about? She had been an EMT, had basically a normal life like what are you talking about and the psychic told her you're smart enough to do a normal job you'd be just fine doing one but that's not what you're called to do you're called to do readings and to this day that psychic is laura's mentor 
Oh, wow. She went home and started learning and opening herself up to things. Mm-hmm. And we can obviously get into this later, but I think we're all sensitive to things. It's just opening ourselves up to that. Right. And obviously some are more than others, mm-hmm. but she just kind of opened herself up to that. She really gave into that and she started doing tarot readings. And then she realized, I don't need these damn cards. And her gifts progressed where she started to do psychic readings. And then the more she practiced that and opened herself up to that, she started to notice that the dead was starting to come through during her psychic readings, oh. trying to give messages to their loved ones. Holy smokes. So she became a psychic medium. Yeah. Which brings us back to the definitions that mom gave earlier. And then from there, she became a Reiki master. And she's just been practicing and really working on her gift. One day, someone reached out to her asking if she would work a missing person case. Laura had never done that and really didn't know what exactly that meant. The person that reached out to her was from a totally different state. So it's not like she could go and talk to family and friends and kind of get impressions from them. So she thought, you know what? Why don't I just do a live on Facebook? And then people that know about the case or knew the victim in the case can ask me questions there. And I can just give my impressions on what I, you know, I'm feeling. I'm feeling. Exactly. So she does a live video on Facebook. Guys, this video is still there on Facebook. You guys can go and watch it. I will post a link to it here in the description of this video. It's also going to be on our Facebook and our website. But she does this live stream and going into it, she knows nothing about the case. She just knows the basics, which were that a young girl, Jamie Kloss, was missing. Jamie's parents had been killed in their home and she was abducted on October 15th, 2018. And the live on Facebook was done November 10th, 2018. So about a month after the abduction. She didn't know the family. She didn't know any names. She didn't know any suspects. Mm -hmm. So the first question asked was, is Jamie still alive? Now, Laura is a very logical person. I could just sense that from talking to her. She's very down to earth. She's awesome. She's a very logical person, though. And logically, mom, and if you know those basics... She was a 13-year-old girl. Her parents were killed and she was abducted. Logically. And this was a month ago. Logically, yeah. she's... Yeah. Logically, unfortunately, I would feel the girl is deceased. I would probably also assume that the girl was abused, maybe even sexually. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's just my true crime-obsessed self-talking <laughs> and surrounding ourselves with all these cases all the time. This negativity. But, but logically, that's kind of what... You'd assume. So in her head, Laura's thinking this. She's thinking logically. Logically, no, this young girl is probably not alive, but her inner self is telling her, quote, mind's ear, as she called it. Yes, the girl was alive. So she's thinking this in her head and she's thinking, here goes my career. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I feel like Jamie is alive. Quote, I don't sense her on the other side. I feel like she is being held against her will, but I feel like she is alive, unquote. Those watching the live ask, will she be found soon? And Laura answers that she felt like Jamie was going to get the chance to get away. Oh, she also had the impression and the feeling that Jamie was not being harmed. She was not being abused or raped. She was hungry, but not being harmed. Interesting. And again, logically, you wouldn't think that the girl's been missing for a month. She sensed that the perp was not someone who really knew the family 
And if they did, they had just met them in the last six months or so. She also felt that it all happened because of jealousy. Hmm. They asked on the live, was it sex trafficking? Was it drugs? What, you know, what caused all this? And she's like, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't any of that. The people on the live asked many questions and Laura just went with her mind's ear and answered them. So that's what she called it was a mind's ear. You know how like we have, they say a mind's eye. Right. So she can't audibly hear responses to the questions from the other side. It's just that instant reaction and knowing the answer. That's how she described it. Yeah. She just, you just, she just knew it. On January 10th, 2019, so 88 days after the abduction, a woman walking her dog was scared when a young girl came up asking for help. It was Jamie Kloss, and she had escaped. Wow. Just as Laura had said, Kloss had not been harmed or abused. She was just being kept by her captor, Jake Patterson, in his old cabin looking kind of house, which is really interesting because also in the live video, she says that she sensed it was kind of, it was very cold and almost had that peeling wall jail cell kind of a feel. And this cabin was super old and just unkept and it totally matched that description. It was was really rough looking at photos of the house. It was very scary. And she was basically being kept under his bed. What? He would let her go out for like walks every once in a while, but he was keeping her under his bed and sometimes he would let her sleep in the bed with him at night. Mm -hmm. But again, he never raped her or anything. I think he hit her once just to scare her, but never anything. He said that he thought about raping her, but he felt too guilty because he had killed her parents. And yeah, it was bizarre. He did not know the family. Any reason why he killed the parents? I think to get Jamie. Wow. That is just weird. But just crazy. During that live Facebook, it was really interesting because Laura says she kept hearing she's not supposed to be found yet. She's not supposed to be found yet. She didn't verbalize that in the in the Facebook live, but she told me that. And I just found that super interesting because, cause like, why wouldn't a little girl be meant to be found? Right. So is there a timing to there all had this? To, was there like a lesson to be learned or, right, is there a certain timing that's supposed to be done? I, I, I have no idea. Right. Laura's worked on another case where she was flown out to Tennessee to work on a case there and to help find a little boy or the body of a little boy. And again, she was just driven around to different places that her mind's ear was telling her to go to. And the person driving her around had connections to the police. She was just blown away that where Laura was taking her had ties to the case. And I just, so one thing you asked me to ask a psychic that I talked to Mm -hmm. was, what is the viewpoint that the psychic sees when they are looking for a missing body or in an investigation like this, are they seeing a viewpoint from the victim? Are they seeing a viewpoint from the perp? Are they seeing it like they're a fly on the wall and they're watching no, it exactly. play out? Right. So I asked her this question and she thought, you know, and she answered saying that she uses what is called remote viewing. And what's really interesting, she told me, is that Adolf Hitler used to try to train his guys to do remote viewing so that he could see where the bad guys were coming in at. Oh, my gosh. So it's putting yourself in their mind. So it's putting she can put herself 
into the victim's mind. So they ask, what can you see? She can see Mm -hmm. the color of the wallpaper. She can see my hands are tied, you know, that kind of thing. And so she can also put herself into the mind of the perp as well. Mm. And that's just something that she has learned over yeah, the you years. have to learn that. I think that's the... Again, with being in tune with yourself, though. I think that's something I picked up when I was watching the Pam Coronado. Again, that was a question I wanted to ask her. Yeah, sure. Um, was that she could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. She could see from the victim's point of view. And then she could also, if asked, what does the the perp, what does he see? She could also switch and see that. Right. So, how fascinating. It's very fascinating. Just she was explaining it to me and it kind of made sense how she was explaining to me, but I'm still walking away like, wait, but how? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would. Okay. I don't know how to word this, but so if you have a known victim Mm -hmm. and you have a picture of the victim, that's more understandable than you have no idea who the purpose. No, no idea at all. It could be your next door neighbor. It could be. Yeah. Cause Laura you know, just goes off a name. That's all she needed. No idea. And then you put your mind into that scenario is, is uh, that's just crazy. Cause like during the live, they asked, somebody asked like, what do you think about the ant? And Laura's like, okay, well I need the ant's name. Tell me the ant's name and then I'll let you know what my feelings are and what my impression is. And so they come out and they tell her what the aunt's name is. And so she sits there for a while. She repeats the name and she's like, I only sense a woman that is really wanting her niece and cares and misses her niece. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, all she needed was a name. That's crazy. But with the perp, you don't even have that. That's true. I mean, you have nothing. That's just so crazy. And then they can even like I was watching Pam Coronado thing and she could tell how many there were in the car. Oh, my gosh. In this one scenario. Yeah. And how one of them was the master leader of them and the really bad guy. And the other guys were afraid of him. She could tell who the leader was and who was. Oh, wow. That's just. It's nuts. What an ability. It's like scary ability. (laughs) It is. And thank goodness they're using it for good. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So baffled by this gift and how in tune you have to be to just yeah. go with your gut i know we've that's always it. said that but that's it's just it. to really 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 trust your gut and go with it mm-hmm. so have you i mean you are a sensitive we know that mm-hmm. so have you ever felt like an intuition or an intuition like yeah yeah i just don't think i trust it enough i think i'm still skeptical of my own intuition <laughs> no no i can so nothing big has happened to like make you nothing like you miss skeptic. <laughs> I know. Isn't that weird? I, yeah, I, I have learned to listen to my intuition and I know this is weird coming from me, but I'm going to tell you two stories and these are both with your father. So, um, when we were first married, so early on, it was like, two or three o'clock in the morning and I just sat up in bed and I said oh my god something's happened and it's going to affect us greatly and your dad (laughs) and I said something just happened he goes I said somebody just died and it's going to affect us he goes somebody in our family (laughs) I'm like 
No, I don't get that feeling. I get the feeling that it's nobody in our family, but it's going to affect our family. Had no other idea what in the world was going on. A few hours later that day, we get a phone call and my mother had gone to Mexico with her then boyfriend and his brother, who was a priest. And the brother had been walking on the coast and a rogue wave came up and he was drowned. Mm. The brother that my mother was dating had a bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. and was a manic depressive. And he didn't stay on his meds quite as he should. And he didn't in Mexico. So when this happened, oh my gosh, I bet he that totally, totally went down. State. No, the depression state. Oh, no. So he totally went down everything. I mean, he shut out, shut off, shut out, boom. And my mother had to take care of everything. Well, she had to take care of transporting because they did find the body, transporting the body back to Kansas. Oh, my gosh. I cannot even imagine that. Anyway. It greatly affected us because the brother went into a real depressive state and ended up actually in a mental facility for a while. And he would call us at all hours of the day. Oh, my God. We're talking morning, afternoon, one o'clock in the morning. It was crazy. I mean, continuously. And so we took a few trips out to the facility to visit him. He would come out to greet us dressed as a priest. Oh, my gosh. And we had to just kind of go along with it. Oh, that is gut-wrenching. So it did affect us. Yeah. In this really weird way. So That's bizarre. Yeah. Um, another instant, and you were there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you were, saved my life. You were just this darling little cutie baby. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting in your car seat. Wow. I think I kind of looked like E.T., well, that's when you were born. You My sister <laughs> has a side by side of me looking like that dinosaur <laughs> from the dinosaurs show. The baby dinosaur. Oh, oh man. I should post a side by side. It's kind of perfect. We both have yellow shirts on. Oh, anyway, moving yeah. on. Yeah, it was so cute. Anyway, we're driving, I think, to Jacksonville, Florida. Anyway, late at night, it's raining. There's forest on both sides of this road, I think, and I don't know, boondocks, who knows where. And I'm asleep. You're asleep. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, I just sit up and I go, stop the car. <laughs> oh, my God. And gosh. your poor dad, you know, always speeding anyway, over the speed <laughs> limit. And he just like, you know, steps on the brake. I kid you not, a deer jumps in front of the car oh, and we would have hit it. A huge so crazy to me. deer. And that was just out of the blue. So crazy. There's a few other instances. So now... If I'm driving and I feel like, oh, going a certain route isn't such a great idea, I will always take another route. Me and my sister-in-law were just talking about this. It's not only just going with your gut, but watching the signs, too. Just there's so many different signs of telling you to do things or not to do things and just to take the right path, to make the right decisions. There's just... But it's so weird how it comes to you. It's just like... It is. Like like what Laura said, it's, it's just all of a sudden... I mean, I could be walking Obi and he's off the leash and he's not supposed to be. Anyway... <laughs> And all of a sudden, it'll just hit me. Just And this doesn't happen all the time. But I'm just walking him. He's off the leash. And it'll hit me. Put him on the leash. And I put him on the leash. And I swear to you that a few seconds later, somebody with a dog or something will happen that he has to be on the leash. It is just the weirdest thing. But I've learned. I'm old. 
And I've learned <laughs> that I, I really should listen to these. Now, I don't know if I go that way that I was going to go. My quote intuition told me not to. I don't know if anything would have happened. I have no idea because I've learned I'm just going the way my intuition tells me to go. Well, that's the thing is all these people are in their 30s. So you're wondering, is that because they've started to listen to their intuition? They're growing older and they're starting to, because of past mistakes, young and dumb, to finally go with their gut, to finally go with those intuitions because in your 30s you start to. I don't know. I mean, I'm just... Maybe it just hits you at that age. I don't know. I don't know. Let me tell you about somebody else. And it happened in her 30s. So this is a psychic that I spoke to. And her name is Vicki and she's in Cincinnati. And oh my gosh, Beth, this woman is absolutely delightful. I laughed so hard that my stomach hurt when I got off the phone with her. I mean, we just like hit it off right away. We got a fantastic email from her after you chatted with her and I cannot wait to chat with her sometime. Yeah. She seems awesome. She's just, she was so much fun. She's just a few years older than I and we just hit it off like right away. That's so cool. She's like, are you sure that... Oh, God, she's so funny. Are you sure we aren't related in some way? I swear you're the sister I've always wanted. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) She was just so much fun. Anyway, I got to ask her a few questions. And one was, when did she know that she had psychic ability? Mm -hmm. Uh, I bet you know the answer. Her response was that she wasn't until her early 30s. I'm telling you, I still have a chance. (laughs) You do. You do. Plus, you're my daughter. (laughs) All things, all signs are pointing to yes. (laughs) There you go. Where's that magic eight ball? Now, Vicky did work with a detective on some cases. Uh, Most of them were missing children. Oh, my gosh. You have to be a strong person to work that kind of stuff. She helped find like 102 children. Holy cow. Yeah. It was like a 20 year span, but 102 children. That's incredible. So I asked her whether she uses pictures of the person, you know, does the authority give her a a picture of this little boy or girl that's missing or, or what does she do? She says, no, actually, if I write the name of the person, if I write it down and really concentrate on the name, that's all she needs to do. That's exactly what Laura said. She just needed the name. She didn't need to write it down, but she just needed the name. That's nuts. She also, so Vicky also does readings for people. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, well, can you do readings for just everybody? I mean, you know, are there people that you don't connect with that you can't do a reading for, you know? She said that there are some people for one reason or the other that the connection just isn't there. Hmm. And in that case, she says, I just give them their money back and tell them the truth. I, I just I wonder if because they're closed off, like they just don't want I don't know, that's interesting. I don't know. I'm or not they, finishing my thought there, sorry, but <laughs> No, or they just don't get it or there's something just blocking the connection. I don't know. Like if one of our husbands went into a psychic reading. Well, first of all, mine would never go, but yeah. Right. But if they did, they both roll their eyes at that thought anyway. I wonder if it's people like that, that, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, I'll let you finish. I don't know. I'll let you go Because on. the people that would ask for a reading wouldn't be That's like true. our husband. So I don't, I don't know. So Vicky said that there was one case that did affect her and made like a difference okay. to her. So she was helping police find a little boy. They did find him with her help, but they were too late. The little boy was dead. Mm. 
Vicky was totally torn up about this, about not finding the boy in time and blaming herself for it and just really having a hard time. And the detective told her something she remembers to this day. Vicky, he said, you are not God. Hmm. What you did do is help give this family some closure. This really stuck with me. What these psychics, I mean the real psychics, not the frauds, are doing is using the gift that they were given to help people with closure one way or the other. As we both know, going through this true crime stuff, the unknown was the worst is the worst thing. And to have closure on the unknown is just such a blessing. Absolutely. So it, I believe that this is a gift that mm-hmm. certain people have been given by God. And, you know, I truly believe that you have to use your gifts. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Psychics. And again, you go with your gut. Yeah. That's like the killer hangover motto. <laughs> Advocate for victims and go with your gut. Yes. Awesome. I mean, we tell you all the stories and I still cannot wrap my mind around the gift. No, no. <laughs> No, how it we talk works. to psychics that I still can't wrap my mind around at all. No. How it works, when it works, who it works with. It just, it's crazy. Well, I might be scheduling a reading with Laura here soon. And if you guys want to, again, I'm going to, I'm going to link her. She has a Facebook group where she does readings. She does tarot readings and psychic readings. Again, she's, she's just an awesome person. She's very down to earth, very cool. She also has a separate page for missing people. I'll link that as well. All of these videos that we talked about, we're going to put links for. Go and check them out. It's just an interesting topic in general. It is. It's so cool. And I mean, what's that show that you're like obsessed with right now, Mom? Psych? Psych. Okay, so he's not. (laughs) He's not a psychic. A psychic, but he's still going intuition. He's very intuitive. He sees sees things more so than, you know. Yeah, he just knows how to read people. And and see signs and notices things that all of us notice, but he actually connects things yeah but it's like what is the difference between that and a psychic then are they just more intuitive and how do they see the future for some people i don't know and we're just going to keep you guys here with all these questions we're just gonna leave you hanging on that one because we're ending now (sighs) all right cool subject very cool subject you can find all this information on our website which is www.killerhangover.wordpress.com on any of our social media instagram facebook do us a favor friends we're going to ask you again to leave us a review whenever you have the time we really appreciate it if you want more of us join our patreon and those on patreon how did you like that blooper reel oh my gosh that was so much fun and there's more of that to come more blooper reels to come i had way too much fun making that and so i made i have a couple others lined up but join our patreon join the fun you can find that at www.patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com backslash killer hangover podcast that link is in the description of this episode as well also do not be ashamed to send us your true stories of the paranormal or true crime because we have on the seventh of every month listener stories episodes send them to us my husband alex is going to go through filter them through and pick which ones he wants us to read on the episode we will not have read them so you get our honest responses as we're reading them and we have so much fun with those episodes as well we do and we'd like to continue this to do this every month 
but so we, we need, need your stories. Your help. We need your stories. Send them to us at killerhangoverpodcast at gmail.com. God, I sound like NPR. We need your help now. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like we said before, we're not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kiddo. Another good one, mom. Next week, Maine. Episode 51 and the state of Maine. Cheers to 50, mom. Cheers, sweetheart. Love you, kid.